the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. I come to this from experience from 40 years ago. Not just, uh, you know, it was the summer that Elvis died. Yes, I remember that. And I've told you that story and we'll relive it again later. But it was 40 years ago. I was I was uh, home for, I think it was the last summer I was home with my parents in my college years because I eventually never came back to Chicago. I went on with my life. But the summer of 77, I was working in a restaurant as a waiter, like so many of us do and have done. It was a, a restaurant called King Arthur's Pub, and it hadn't opened yet. But I remember the end of, the end of my school year in 1977, in the spring of 77, I had read that a, a brand new restaurant was opening up, and they were looking for servers. And it was going to be a high-end restaurant. And I thought, well, if I'm going to wait tables, I might as well wait tables in a high-end restaurant and make some real money. So I got a haircut and shaved and walked in dressed right and told him I'd worked in restaurants before. And uh, I remember the guy saying, well, do you know French service? And I, of course I do. And he went, table side? I said, yes. Caesar salads? Absolutely, I can make a Caesar salad. None of that did I know. But the restaurant was an opening for two weeks, and I figured I had time <laughs> to learn. <laughs> I got hired to work in King Arthur's Pub in the village of Skokie. Skokie is, at the time, it was a town of 70,000 people. It's a pretty good-sized little suburb of Chicago, and it, it abuts the city limits on the north side. As a matter of fact, there's a little bitty transit system. Called, it was called the Skokie Swift. And it connected Skokie to the Chicago transit system so you could get on the CTA and get anywhere in the city. If you're a Chicagoan, you know what I'm talking about. Skokie was a town that was, was an anomaly because it had a massive concentration of Jewish people who had come to America after they survived the concentration camps. Seventy thousand people lived in Skokie. One out of every ten. This we're talking nineteen seventy-seven. One out of every ten had a tattoo from the concentration camps. One out of every ten. Think of that. So in the summer of 77, as I was trying to get a job at King Arthur's Pub in Skokie, across from Saul and High's Deli, yes, really, Saul and High's Deli in Skokie, the Nazis announced they were going to march there. The American Nazi Party was going to march in the streets of Skokie. They had chosen it to create the most havoc. They had chosen it to to make their message stand out and get attention. The city banned them. 
The little village of Skokie said, no, you're not welcome here. And the Nazis sued. And with the help of the American Civil Liberties Union, yes, the ACLU stood shoulder to shoulder with the Nazis and fought for their right to march. What happened over the next few months? Just unbelievable history that happened in this tiny little section outside of Chicago, this tiny little village that was home to so many people, so many people who survived the concentration camps. It was there waiting tables that I was asked to stay on Monday nights and help, help the ADL and the JDL and Meyer Kahana as they were making their plans on how to face off against the Nazis when they marched in Skokie because it was believed that the ACLU would win its fight. And the ACLU did win that fight. It took them several months. The actual decision didn't come down to till a year later. But yeah, the ACLU helped the Nazis get the right to march in Skokie. You don't remember this, do you? You're probably thinking this was a scene in the Blues Brothers movie. In a way, it was. But this part really happened. I had a front row seat to the hate that we're seeing again. And that year, the resolution was pretty amazing. 40 years ago, when the Nazis wanted to march in a Chicago suburb called Skokie. And as I mentioned, Skokie is a, a tiny little place of, well, tiny in Chicago terms. 70,000 people lived in Skokie at the time. 7,000 of them, give or take a couple, survived concentration camps. It was a powerful community, a strong community of hardworking very hard-working Jewish people. And it was a, an area where I had gotten a summer job to work at King Arthur's Pub, a brand-new high-end restaurant across from one of the most famous delis in the north side, Saul and High's. You couldn't get any different. King Arthur's Pub, although, was owned by Michael Lieberman, a restaurateur in Chicago of some note. And Lieberman was a powerful guy, a guy who actually went to college in Texas on a, on a rodeo scholarship, of all things. We had long talks about Texas as I was between my junior and senior year in college. And we talked about everything. But when the Nazis announced they were coming to Skokie, Lieberman would close the restaurant early on Monday nights and the mem some members of the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, and the JDL, the Jewish Defense League, 
and Meyer Kahana, the late Meyer Kahana, would meet after closing, and they would sit at, at a big round table in the bar area of King Arthur's Pub as a pianist from the Chicago Symphony Orchestra would play the piano while these guys talked about cracking heads if the Nazis ever made it to town. Cracking heads. There were calls for legal remedies. I remember that, and I do remember as I was waiting tables and pouring bottled water and wine for these guys and bringing out whatever they wanted to eat from the kitchen, I remember hearing the rhetoric and the, and the discussion get really heated. But there were ultimately calls for using the legal system to fight it. And there was frustration because the ACLU had taken the case. And they were fighting for the rights of free speech. The Illinois ACLU fought for the freedom of speech for the American Nazis, the National Socialist Party of America. In the end, the courts sided with the Nazis. The ACLU, the ACLU won every aspect of their case. The Nazis were free to march, and they scheduled a date. They actually said they were going to be there, scheduled a date, and as as the date got closer and closer, police presence was going to be ramped up. The Nazis knew that the police presence would be there to prevent any violence against them. But there was also a call for mockery. There was also a gigantic call to stand and laugh at the, at the Nazis. Not to forbid them, not to violently confront them but to mock them. What a brilliant idea. <laughs> Make fun of these idiots. Ignoring it sometimes works, but overwhelming stupidity with a peaceful expression and a healthy dose of mockery. In this case, the chickens never showed up. 40 years ago, I had a front seat to history. Never thought we'd be here again. Yet we are. I suggest we use the same prescription. Let's mock them and let them know how stupid they are. Hold up a mirror, not a hammer, not a fist. Peace will shut it down. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.